with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. And now, your Jewish Patriot, Cindy Gross. another episode of the Jewess Patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. I am proud to be today's premier Jewish woman activist speaking on behalf of all of you. And you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of Cindy Gross's show. We are so happy that so many of you are tuning into us from the Conservative Television of American Network. And you are downloading us through their system and through Roku TV and Amazon Fire TV. We have a lot more coming up because of you and you are going to see us on a lot more stations very soon. So stay tuned and spread the word. Let's begin the show with my opening segment, my opening corner, my pearls of wisdom because I am Zisla Peril, sweet pearl. I'm watching a lot of my uh, reality shows, which actually aren't so much fun anymore. And several of them had uh, scenes where they were playing a game called Never Have I Ever. I know it's also a series on Netflix. And I'll talk about Netflix a little later on. So I want to play a game with you because lately I'm asking a lot of questions and I'm not getting the answers that I want. And I'm finding out that in order to win, and we need to win in 2022 and 2024, we must ask the questions and not just answer the answer. So let's begin with my first uh, question in the game. Never have I ever imagined in a million years that a sitting governor of the state of New York who is running in a gubernatorial campaign against a sitting congressman would actually send that information of his itinerary of where he was going to speak in a morning. And hours later, there was an assassination attempt on a sitting congressman. Never would I imagine or never have I ever thought that the mainstream media news would do no story on it. I mean, I have the daily news and I read it the day after. Not one sentence was mentioned about an assassination attempt on a white Jewish Republican conservative gubernatorial candidate and a sitting candidate a sitting congressman who is a four-term congressman. Of course, as he said, the attacker was released on bail, but I guess because he is a congressman and because there was demand and because this is an election year and Kathy Hochul is in trouble, the person that tried to kill Congressman Lee Zeldin was arrested later and 
is now facing federal charges. But never did I imagine, or never have I ever thought that this would happen in my lifetime. Another never have I ever. I don't know about you, but this is not the first summer that New York has experienced 90 degree weather. This is not the first summer that our grass has dried out because of the heat. But never have I ever heard headlines of food shortages and electronic cars as a result of 90 degree and 100 degree weather. I just don't get it. It's summer. If you told me we had 90 degree weather in December in New York, I get it. Then something's not right. I just don't understand. Never have I ever seen on one day a president claim he has cancer. The next day he has COVID. And we at the Jewish Patriot only wish good health to Joe Biden. But it's going to make a lot of people think about how this man who obviously has some health issues and obviously is in his 70s has been able to survive this when he's talking about another lockdown and more vaccinations. Think about it. Fauci survived. He survives. And everybody, we wish everybody life. We wish everybody good health. We don't want harm to anybody. But never have I ever thought that somebody who's working with COVID, who is actually health impaired, is telling us all the lockdown. And it's making people question if schools should open or close in September. And should there be mask mandates and vaccine mandates? Never have I ever had the opportunity like you to watch and stream so many television shows and movies and documentaries and listen to so many podcasts like ever before. But I see the stocks and Netflix and I have to agree. I want to watch TV sometimes. I want to be entertained. I am a creature of great entertainment. But the more that I have opportunity to watch and the more choices I have, the less I want. And I'm hearing this from a lot of people. Never have I ever thought this would be such a problem. Having quality TV, quality television shows, quality movies, quality series, and yet I don't like any of them. Well, except maybe one or two. I just don't know. And the biggest never have I ever thought. People are angry. People are frustrated. People are sick of Washington. They're sick of their state capitals. They're sick, 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 sick of their local towns, villages, and municipalities who are running them, the people. They want change. 
But ask how many people are seriously considering going to vote. I don't care where you live. People are dying around the world for the privilege you have to vote. And you don't want to vote? If you're so unhappy, vote out every incumbent. From either party. From third parties. There are so many quality novices out there putting their own money into campaigns, taking out mortgages on their houses. They never thought about being a politician and they're not running as politicians because they are disgusted, just like you. So never have I ever thought that I'd have to beg people, vote early, vote by mail, because if Democrats are gonna do it, Republicans better take advantage of it too. But get out and vote and make sure everybody in your house is voting. Make sure every college student that's disgusted to go to school and fears being raped and attacked or just being uh, bullied for having a different stand, make sure they have their absentee ballot in and get every eligible voter to vote. And get your voice heard in local state and national campaigns and elections. Make sure every candidate knows your name from both parties. Because that's the only way we're gonna keep our country together. Never have I ever thought this would be an opening. So tell me what you think. What are the questions you wanna ask in your game of never have I ever? Because I have a feeling your questions are the same as mine. We have a huge show tonight. We're going to have a hero on next. Paul Gosar, the congressman who stood up for us on January 6th. Not by rioting, not by cursing, but by standing up the same way Jamie Raskin did as a congressman when he wanted to question the integrity of the votes. So sit back and stay tuned for Congressman Paul Gosar. And if he could take the stand in a polite, respectful way in the House of Representatives. So, what has Andrew Garbarino done for you lately? Recklessly voted for Joe Biden's $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. Betrayed fellow Republicans by voting to certify the 2020 election. Oh, and voted to create an independent commission to investigate the January 6th protest. Andrew Garbarino is no Republican. But Mike Rakebrand is. New York's 2nd District deserves a real Republican to protect them in Washington. Mike Rakebrand is a real Republican who won't turn his back on the Republican Party. Mike Rakebrand is a faithful New Yorker, awarded the Purple Heart, protecting your freedoms on the battlefield, and as an NYPD detective, knows how to protect New Yorkers. When you vote for Mike Rakebrand in the Republican primary, he'll protect your freedoms in Congress to secure our southern border and let ICE do their jobs, ban critical race theory in our schools, and withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. Vote for Mike Rakebrand and return common sense and good stewardship to New York's 2nd District. Mike Rakebrand won't turn his back on Republicans. And Mike Rakebrand won't turn his back on you.
Learn more about Mike Rakebrand at MikeRakebrandForCongress.com. Again, MikeRakebrandForCongress.com. Paid for by Mike Rakebrand for Congress. Mike Rakebrand needs your help to represent you in Congress. Please give now to the 22 for 2 campaign. That's just $22, 22 volunteers, and 22 of your New York 2nd District friends to get out and vote for Mike. Visit MikeRakebrandForCongress.com and give today. That's MikeRakebrandForCongress.com. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot, and I am so honored to have with us a hero of all of ours. We will never, ever forget his standing up and fighting for us on January 6th. Congressman Paul Gosar out of Arizona's 4th District is considered the most conservative and, as he says, most dangerous congressman in Washington, and it is the voice that we need, the person who actually creates legislation, speaks at, and co-sponsors, and we are honored to have him on the show. Welcome to the Jewess Patriot. I'm so honored. Thanks, Cindy. So we will never forget what you did, and of course, as we go into 2022 elections, we as conservatives, Republicans, independents, and common sense voters are very concerned about voter integrity. What do you tell people? I'm sure you're asked this all the time. It, it, it is a very big concern, you know, particularly when you start looking back at the past. You can't go forward unless you understand your past. So there were several, several indications we had problems coming in 2020. There was actually a movie that was created by the Democrats called Kill Chain. And it showed the, the vulnerabilities of the machines. Uh, a subcommittee on Homeland Security at the U.S. Senate basically commented that all these machines were 100% corruptible. That's, that's, that's unbelievable, you know, that we would tie something so uh, important as our elections to a machine that is guided by algorithms. Um, but uh, we got to have, they got to get back to common sense to making sure that we, proper people are voting. It's a paper ballot and we don't put a computer in between that counting and your ballot and the, the right person that you vote for gets that vote. You are in Arizona and mm -hmm. I have been hearing from a lot of Arizona voters, a lot of people running for office. Arizona 2022 is not the same as Arizona 2020. Explain that to us because everybody is looking at Arizona as one of the border states. It is, you know, first of all, with immigration, illegal immigration, we're being flooded even more so on a percentage-wise than is Texas. You know, we're a smaller state, smaller in population than Texas, but we have that border. And it's a major thoroughfare. In fact, most of the fentanyl and drugs, illegal drugs, are coming through that portal in Arizona. We have an Indian reservation that actually is on the border. Um, they do not have to comply with Border Patrol. So that's pretty much an open border there. And a lot of uh, human smuggling, drugs, um, crimes and activity all comes through that, that venue. And then it, it's kind of a major hub that splits out across the country. So we have that. We've had the, the questions about the integrity of our uh, elections. 
And there's been a lot of debates. There's been a lot of uh, stalemate uh, by opposition to giving new voter integrity uh, measures. Um, so in th this year, uh, in 2022, Arizona is going to have Arizonans are going to have to make sure that they follow their ballot. You know, make sure that the county clerks, county recorders are actually knowing that they're following them and following their their uh, their ballots. But it's it's the wild wild west again. And, uh, you know, we don't have those resources and we got to get back to the rule of law. Uh, I'm also thinking that the people of Arizona, you know, they, when they were admitted into the union, they were chastised by President uh, Taft. You know, they wanted to recall federal judges. You know, they were forced to have public lands. Uh, they rebelled. And so when they were admitted, then they went back to recalling federal judges. So there's an obstinance to Arizona's uh, personality. Uh, and uh, I think what's going to happen is, is we're having elections uh, and people running that are very state rights minded. We the people in the states gave to the federal government its powers and we're, we the people in the states will take it back. And so you're going to start to see Arizona fight. Take the, take the federal government on like that Ron DeSantis is down in Florida. It's going to be immigration. It's probably going to be water. It's going to be probably energy minerals. All those things. So gear up for Arizona. It's, it's going to be the prize in the desert in the Southwest. Well, what always amazes me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers today, uh, is that I remember going like in Cleveland, even to the convention and Jan Brewer was there mm -hmm. and Joe Apaya was there. And no one ever thought of Arizona of anything other than a strong GOP state and all of a sudden they have a senator that's not mm -hmm. uh, GOP so I mean people that in and of itself raises a lot of questions mm -hmm. and makes people uh more determined than ever it, it, people are mind-boggled you know that's that's you don't you don't instill fear you know that way and, and when you vacillate uh, on you know, whatever your policy may be from this administration, no one knows. And, and, and people, people around the world don't really care. You know, so that, that was the magic of Trump because they, they knew he carried a big stick and they knew he was prepared to use it. And when, he, when and if he was gonna use it, wasn't up to them, it was up to, to us. That's, that's the, the, big, the big stick theory. But we're not getting that respect all across the, the, the world. And so p actors like Iran are, are pushing the limits and they do that all the time. And so uh, no, one, no one fears the United States right now. And it, it's a big debacle. And we should say, because everybody knows you was such a conservative, you co-chaired this with a Democrat. Oh, absolutely. People, people say I'm a real partisan person, but you know, I was named the most dangerous person by the Democrats, not for the fear that I put in with people, but I'm a doer. I don't care to be in front of the television. I like getting things done. I'm one of the most accomplished members of Congress. And by the way, all those accomplishments have a Democrat with them. There's a lot of things we disagree on, but we have to be able to find that one issue that we can work on together, like taking on the medical insurance industry and their, their, their antitrust exemption. You know, what a magical thing that we that we all benefit from. And if you don't care who gets the credit, Peter DeFazio led it in the House, uh, Mr. Leahy in the Senate, things get done. 
you know, but you have to be ready and willing to, to participate. And uh, I think that's the magic of it is, is that you roll up your sleeves, work, find a solution. You're not going to get everything you want. But, you know, I, what we've tried to show is you can be very conservative, not degrade your principles, but get a ton of stuff done. You well, just got to listen to people. Listen to people. You know, if you go out and talk to people, they're going to tell you what the problem is. And if you're quiet enough, they're going to tell you what the solution is. That's empowering them, not victimizing them. And then show them that you got it done. That, 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 that verification goes a long way in building America back up. Well, you, you actually, my next question is, how does a dentist become a congressman? And you started talking a little bit about medicine. So tell us a little bit about that, because that's not something that a lot of our you know, listeners and viewers hear on it when you go on a Fox News or a Newsmax. Yeah, so I mean, our principles when we were first elected, I was, I was tired of, of seeing the federal government tell me what I could and couldn't do with my health care. And being a dentist, I mean, that, that's very personal to people. So if you're one of my patients, I don't just go in and start pulling teeth when you come and sitting with a toothache. I have to ask you what hurts, where does it hurt, how can I help? Then I have to get some diagnostics. I have to find out with an x-ray, find out the tooth, what's wrong, what are, what are our options. Then you sit down with the patient, you form a contract on what you're going to do and follow those procedures. So what you're doing is you're forming that contract, but you're empowering that patient to be part of the solution. That's no different than what we do here. No, no different. That's why we spend a lot of time driving around our district, talking to people, small towns. That's the beauty of this job is getting to hear the people. What's, what's, what's their angst? What's their vision? What's their future? How is it implying their, their, to their business model? How do we empower them to be solutions, not victims? And that's pretty much how it works. I've got a very different vision of healthcare. You know, when uh, I saw Obamacare, I thought there were better ways to do that. So one of the big things that we were pushed was, first of all, breaking up the insurance monopoly. So they gave us more choice, more options, get, their, get them on our side, on the constituents, on the patient side. Now we're working on ERISA, which is contract law. So that, that now we spell out what they're going to have to pay for instead of you know, starting empowering patients uh, and, and empowering them to take care of their healthcare and be part of that healthcare aspect. Then you can start taking on big pharmaceuticals when you have the insurance companies behind you saying, listen, we're gonna have all these diuretics, we're gonna have all these types of drugs, give us a better break on that. Best management practices empower people to be that solution. And finally, bring in the hospitals. It's, am it's amazing what you can do when you fully believe in the marketplace and you believe in empowering people. Think of, a, think of that single mom that's on Medicaid. All of a sudden she has her own uh, insurance policy that we help support. So it's a hand up instead of a continual handout. We want change. We have you to also, deliver. You also acted on it. You just didn't do the talk, you walked the walk. That's, what, that's one of the things you lead by example. You know, I, I don't do anything. I, I don't ask anybody that I won't do myself. And I think that's very important. Where can our listeners uh, donate to your campaign? Where can they reach out to you? And uh, how could they follow your, uh, everything you're doing? Because you're doing everything for all of us, regardless of party, regardless of where you live. You are a national leader. Well, I appreciate that. that that's awful nice. But, uh, you know, we got a great team. That's the other part. You magnify yourself when you give power up and you get, get great employees, give them the tools and the environment to succeed. So I'm surrounded by a great team of individuals, 
we get a lot of kids that want to come into our office as interns because we teach them how to write. We empower them to be solutions and not victims. So you can reach us at, at drpaulgosar.com and you can also uh, gosar.house.gov. So either way, you can, and we, our phones always re receives uh, on all our messages. You have opportunities in, in Congress to only deal with your district or your district in your state, your district, your state, and the national headlines. We do them all three. We take them in priority. So our district, our state, and then the, the rest of the country. But we try to get and include everybody. Congressman Dr. Paul Gosar, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. And thank you again for your leadership, for standing up for all of us. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it. Nike is constantly political. Why? Cover. Congressional reports suspect Nike used forced labor in China. Religious minorities were ripped from their families, sterilized, sold to factories. Nike made shoes in those same areas. Congress tried to ban Nike's labor practices. Nike fought back with highly paid lobbyists. Rather than hiring Americans, Nike chose China. John Donahoe, Nike. Stop exploiting foreign labor. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is Morton Klein. Many of you know Morton Klein is the president of ZOA. In 2004, he was considered one of the top five most influential Jews around the world. I'd probably say now with everything going on, probably top three. Uh, to me, Mort is a mentor, a friend. He is one of the two Jewish leaders that I go to for my advice and my support when I need it, because I know from Mort I get the truth, and I know from Mort he gives me the encouragement to do the work. So we are so honored to have you with us. <laughs> well, thank you for that very kind introduction, Cindy. I only wish uh, my mother were, was a was alive to have heard it. She would have enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I consider you and your wife friends, good friends. And uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us, as we know. But before we begin, a question I am always asked, and if maybe you could summarize it in a sentence or two. What is the difference between a Jew and a Zionist? <laughs> Anyone can be a Zionist. A Zionist is simply somebody who supports the right of Israel to have a state in their own ancient homeland given by God to the Jews thousands of years ago. Anyone who supports that is a Zionist, whether you're a Christian or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim, you're a Zionist. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. The other question I'm asked is, what is the difference between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism? <laughs> Anyone who's opposed to Israel, to, having a Jew, to the Jews having a state, a Jewish state, is an anti-Zionist. <laughs> if you're opposed to Israel having a Jewish state in their ancient homeland, you have enmity toward Jews. You hate Jews. <laughs> If I tell you Italy should not have a state of Italy, you can be sure I hate Italians. If I say the Spanish people shouldn't have Spain, you can be sure that I wouldn't say that unless I have enmity toward the Spanish people. So if you are an anti-Zionist opposing the Jewish people's right to a homeland in their ancient homeland, given to Israel by God, approved by 
the League of Nations in, in the 1920s, uh, reapproved by the UN in 1948. So both for secular reasons, historical, political, and religious reasons, the Jews have a right to have a state. If you don't uh, support that, you're an anti-Semite, period. So that's a... Uh, there's no difference between the I two. I couldn't say it any better. So I just want to let everybody know they do see the backdrop of ZOA. ZOA is a 501c3. <laughs> it doesn't endorse <laughs> candidates. But we are concerned about the future of the state of Israel. And ZOA has been at the forefront of sharing, educating the public, working, <laughs> trying to work bipartisan. <coughs> Tell us what are the like top issues going on with ZOA right now? <laughs> well, in a nutshell, the growth, the frightening growth of Jew hatred and anti-Semitism and Israel hatred on college campuses, most recently right here in New York City at City University in New York, where <laughs> Muslim students and anti-Semites promote incredible lies against Israel. They stole the land, they oppressed the Arabs, they murder innocent Arabs for no reason. <laughs> These are all falsehoods, of course, and that, and that is those types of lies. Israel's an apartheid state. How can it be an apartheid state when 10% of their parliament are Muslims? When a, when a member of the Supreme Court of Israel is a Muslim, uh, Arabs, it, uh, Arabs in Israel have this identical rights as Jews. This is a gigantic lie. And the lie of genocide, that Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. <laughs> you hear that on campuses all over the place, <laughs> which is another absurdity. In 1948, there were 150,000 Palestinian Arabs in this area of Israel. Today, there's 2 million. So whoever's in charge of the genocide program should be fired. It's failing. This is an absurdity. <laughs> So anti-Semitism on campuses, anti-Semitism in the general population has been increasing dramatically. <laughs> and also, of course, the Arab-Islamic war against Israel in the West. <laughs> There's enormous enmity, enmity among many Muslims toward Jews and toward Christians. <laughs> so we're fighting that. And we're trying to get have more people aware of the fact that the Palestinian Authority, this is egregious and shocking, and yet almost no one knows it. The Palestinian Authority under Mahmoud Abbas pays Arabs to murder Jews and Americans, pays them a lifetime pension, which is five times the rate of an average worker's salary in, in the Palestinian territories. This is monstrous. This is Nazi-like. And yet nobody makes a big issue out of it. In America, we passed the Taylor Force Act. He was a Christian murdered by a Palestinian. Uh, who got a lifetime pension, this Arab who murdered him. <laughs> and uh, uh, this is just an issue <laughs> that's not being raised by the Israelis in any serious way, by rabbis, by Jewish leaders. <laughs> so even though we passed the Taylor Force Act, which says you can't give any more U.S. money to Palestinian Authority until they stop this policy, Despite that, uh, uh, Joe Biden has given $800 million to the Palestinian Authority and $600 million to UNRWA. UNRWA is an organization that hires Hamas terrorists and has textbooks teaching Arab children 
to become martyrs, to learn how to murder and hate Jews. <laughs> so Biden has uh, violated this. So this is a big issue for us that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with. And you're one of the few voices that is out there constantly, whether or not you're writing op-eds or on television, whether or not it's the, uh, the other staff that's with ZOA. So we have, of course, we just had the visit to Israel. Uh, we don't have to go into the details. We all know it was not a success for America as a whole. It wasn't a success for Israel either. Yet. The major organizations, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Groups, the Umbrella Group, APAC, Main Lobby Group for, for the Jews and Israel, uh, not for Israel, but lobbies for strong U.S.-Israel relations, have come out and praised these meetings, that Biden was great. Biden was awful. Biden publicly demanded that Israel go back to the 67 lines, which would make Israel nine miles wide, and they could not survive this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Biden is ignoring uh, the sanctions on Iran, letting Iran make $100 billion a year that they should not be making because of the sanctions. They're pressuring Israel to open up a Palestinian Arab consulate in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's Israel's capital. It, it, uh, this enemy Palestinian Arab regime should not have a consulate in Jerusalem. Biden is pressuring Israel to do that. And uh, uh, in addition, he made a speech comparing the Irish situation with Great Britain to the Palestinian Authority situation with Israel, when there's no analogy there, a, a ridiculous analogy. And he had a major press conference with the terrorist dictator, Mahmoud Abbas of the Palestinian Authority, giving him legitimacy and mainstreaming him, even though he is paying Arabs to murder Jews and Americans. And let me tell you something else that isn't written about. On the day that Biden arrived in Israel last week, Abbas announced an increase in the, in the amount of money given to people, to Arabs who have murdered Jews or Americans. He announced it when Biden arrived, insulting Biden, and Biden didn't say anything, neither did Israel, neither did anyone. It's hardly in the media. No, so this not. was really a, an awful trip, I must say. And, I, and you're, you're saying in the media, it's not even in the right-wing media, which would <laughs> normally talk about it. Well, you know, we have a lot of work to do, and I get asked this question every day. I'm sure you do also. Why are there so many Jews still in the Democratic Party? <laughs> I have to be careful with that question since we're a nonprofit. I really can't act as if I'm pro-Democrat, pro-Republican, anti-Democrat, anti-Republican. Right. Uh, so I think I, I, I have to be careful and not respond to that question. That's, well, I always tell people that Checks and balances is a very good system. And I believe that we do need a voice in both parties, but we need the right voices in both parties. I don't want the alt-right that denies the Holocaust either. So I totally take that stand. And I know you agree with that as well as, as a child of the Holocaust. Well, I can say this in terms of policies toward Israel, 30 years ago, the Democrats were much stronger toward Israel than the Republicans, and that's changed. The Republicans are now much stronger toward Israel than the Democrats. That's just a fact that I'm able to say. What do you tell people when they uh, talk about the upcoming elections? Because you can't get involved in it. <laughs> I can't respond to that. Okay, because I just tell people to get out and vote. There was so much apathy. Not voting is not an answer. 
Well, there are certain groups of people I wish they wouldn't vote because they vote in ways that I don't approve, <laughs> but I won't discuss it. <laughs> so BDS is a big issue, and that's something that ZOA really <laughs> takes the lead on. Talk about a little bit what's going on, because it seems to be everywhere discussed, not just with products, but Hollywood talking about it. So tell everybody about BDS. <laughs> Jew haters, Israel haters, and naive people who believe the propaganda lies <laughs> that Israel is an apartheid genocidal state oppressing Arabs when it's the, uh, the exact opposite. Arabs have full freedoms in Israel. They, they can open businesses. They, they join the army. They're, on, they're judges in, uh, in all the courts in Israel. <laughs> they're members of the Knesset. <laughs> but these truths are not told. So people who believe the lies think we've got to punish Israel to change. And they've, they're urging that the companies boycott Israel, not do business with them, sanction Israel, uh, and not do any business. In fact, Ben and Jerry's, owned by two left-wing lunatic Jews, have decided they will not do any business with parts of Israel. Unilever just this week, who owns Ben and Jerry's, uh, came out and said they oppose this. This is wrong. And they've actually sold the Israel portion of Ben and Jerry's business to an Israeli. And so that Israeli can do what he wants. And of course, he will not be boycotting his own country. So this is a sinister uh, program that's anti-Semitic in nature, whose goal is to destroy Israel economically. <laughs> and to take an extreme example, this is what the Nazis did in the 30s. They boycotted all of the Jewish stores and businesses. Jews weren't allowed to go to the same schools. Jews couldn't be doctors or lawyers or accountants or teachers or professors. They wanted to destroy the Jews of Germany. And BDS is an attempt to destroy the economic survival of the Jewish state. But Israel has such extraordinary high-tech products, such incredible talents, in, high in the computers and the high-tech field that uh, companies have to deal with Israel because they can't get the same quality of product, the same products elsewhere. And it's, so not, it hasn't it's not just uh, in technology, it's in medicine, irrigation for water in, in Africa. People don't know that their biggest uh, enemies, when they're sick, they want to go to the hospitals in Israel. <laughs> That's true, by the way. Hadassah Hospital, the biggest hospital in Israel. Half the patients are Arab. Half the patients are Arab. What kind of apartheid state is that? In South Africa, a real apartheid state, blacks could not be in the same hospital as whites. They had separate fifth-rate hospitals for blacks. Arabs in Israel are treated the same way medically, legally, in every way as the Jews are treated. So this is one of the gigantic lies. In fact, one third of the doctors in Hadassah. As I was going to say, the staff one third is of the also. Doctors are, the staff are, are, are Arabs. There's no discrimination in Israel. It's just a remarkable human rights loving uh, country. And yet they say nothing against the Palestinian Authority. Mahmoud Abbas has said, when we get a state, God forbid, he will not allow a single Jew to live in the state. He says it publicly and nobody attacks him for it. And in fact, he says it even worse. He says, I won't, don't want the filthy feet of the Jews in my country. He insults Jews by making that kind of ugly, despicable statement. 
Well, he should take a lesson from the Abraham Accords, how well the countries that work with Israel are doing financially and socially. It's a great lesson. He's made, uh, Israel's made, made tremendous uh, relationships now with the United Arab Emirates, uh, with Bahrain, with the Sudan, with Morocco, even Saudi Arabia is starting to have uh, better relations. But Mahmoud Abbas, the Constitutional Authority, wants nothing to do with it. In fact, if your audience can see this, yes, this is the actual emblem of the Palestinian Authority showing all of Israel. You see the green, the yellow, and the red uh, in all, all of Israel with an Arab kafi over it. That includes Judea and Samaria, Gaza, Israel itself, Jerusalem. No part of Israel is given to the Arabs in their own emblem. A picture of an arch terrorist Arafat with a Kalishnikov rifle. If you want to make peace with the Jewish state, is this the emblem that you that you uh, uh, commissioned? This is their official emblem, and no one knows about this emblem. This should be in the front page of every paper in America to show how heinous the Palestinian Authority is. They have no interest in peace uh, whatsoever, and their textbooks, by the way, their textbooks that their their innocent Arab children learn say that Jews and Christians are evil. Jews are the Zionist enemy. Jews kill Muslims and Christians. Jews are terrorists. Jews foment wars. Jews are evil racists. Zionism and Nazism are the biggest racist movements of the 20th century. On and on. These innocent Arab children learn to hate Jews with these terrible lies. How, why on earth would you want to give a state to this type of terrorist dictatorship, which would only give them more power to promote their hideous agenda? And people don't understand this as well. I don't know if your people can see this. This is the map of the Middle East. Uh, the, all the orange are the Arab states. The yellow in the middle, this tiny yellow, that's Israel. The Arab states are 800 times the size of Israel. Israel's is smaller than New Jersey. Uh, they have virtually no land. And yet the Arabs keep demanding that Israel give up even more land to set up a terrorist state. Well, you've given us the, first of all, we're going to be sharing with our audience the full maps uh, aside from this, because it's so important. One quick up last question before we close. Now, my first event with Mort when I invited him to speak was in 2015 in uh, Long Island, New York to talk. And he said, I don't know, Cindy, I don't really know you're gonna have people. And we had almost a thousand people talk about the Iran nuclear deal. And we were- You are one of the incredible organizers mm -hmm. I've ever met in my life. You know how to get things done. You're remarkable. So we could talk forever, as you know, and I'm, I will tell everybody the number one gala fundraiser event around the country, the most sought after ticket is the ZOA gala, usually in the late fall, early winter. And I'm going to be there, I know. I know I'm going to share everything live from the red carpet. And you're going to be back beforehand because we have a lot of work to do. Well, we have our gala is in New York City, November 13th, uh, Sunday night, and we have an extraordinary lineup. I can't say who it is, but it's beyond belief who we've got already lined up. It always is great. It's, it's really the most sought after ticket. I'm lucky enough that I uh, get to be there and be a part of it. More Klein, a friend, a mentor, a leader for all of us. His words are so valuable because he says the truth. He doesn't care 
about pleasing people. He cares about saving America, <laughs> saving Israel, and working together for peace around the world. I Thank do you. care about pleasing my wife. I want you to know that. And I care about her too, so <laughs> you better, because I love her. And send Thank my you. best. Thank you so much, Cindy. And you're welcome anytime back to the Jewess Patriot. Thank you. Welcome back. I have to tell you, interviewing more clients for me is always my hardest interview because he and his wife are such close friends. They're extended family. And I know what an important person he is, what a serious person he is, and what a leader he is. That I hope that you listened and you watched and you're going to reach out to ZOA.org or me, and I'll connect you to ZOA.org because it is the most important Zionist organization and what is one of the most outspoken true leaders for decades. And he loves America more than most people I know, and he's going to sacrifice everything for all of us. So I hope you enjoyed that. It's ZOA.org. And before we close, I want to give you some closing words of wisdom, my closing pearls, my gems from Zisel Perel. And today I'm going to answer some questions you ask me. Because many of you want to know more about me and how I became the Jewess Patriot. So some of you know that I have an education background. I am a whistleblower in one of the most corrupt schools in the New York City school system. And I actually was CRT before CRT was popular. I actually knew about safety violations and hidden weapons and all the money that is wasted in schools. And that is especially hurting the Democrats, the minority Democratic parents in blue states. So many of you have asked me, they want to know where they can get the book you heard I wrote several years ago. Now, remember, this is a realistic fiction book. This is not my story. But it's based on stories that were shared in other cases, in headline news, from other teachers, from other parents, from other students. And as we know from what we see in 2022, this week it was announced that finally, Parents and taxpayers of all parties believe Republicans are better at solving the education issue. So this is the book, Rubber Room Romance, a novel. But it also is everything you need to know and ask about the education system. It's in an entertaining way. And if you want to know how to get it, you can reach out to me. Another question I am often asked is, are Jews going to wake up and finally support the Republican Party in the numbers we see Hispanics and Blacks and Asians? And the answer is yes. Because Jews in America know better than anyone else the American dream, whether or not it was great-grandparents coming to Ellis Island or refugees that survived the camps of the Holocaust, whether or not it's Jews that came from Russia in the 80s, or people from Israel, or even 
areas like Venezuela. I mean, when I was young, I visited the Jewish community of Venezuela. In fact, my sleepaway camp had young Jewish teenagers come from Venezuela and spend the summer. And it's certainly not the Venezuela we know today. So the answer is yes. And to the next few months, I'm going to give you little nuggets of how it's going to be done. You can also follow Jewish Vote GOP, the grassroots group of all volunteers that are supporting local, state, and national campaigns. We don't collect any money. We are not a 501 or 501c3 or 4, so we can endorse. We tell people to give directly to candidates, and we volunteer directly to candidates. So if you are running or if you know someone running, reach out to Jewish Vote GOP, and you can reach me to find out how you can get involved. And we want to work with other communities as well, because nobody wins by staying isolated. Another question I get asked a lot is, tell us a little bit about you personally. Like, what do I do for fun? So in the rare moments that are not strategizing a campaign or doing a uh, covering an event, I do find some things of interest. I mean, many of you know I cook and I bake and I do entertaining blogs and I'm very involved in the fashion scene and working with a lot of celebrities, especially people in the entertainment business that are either Republicans and are afraid to come out, Republicans that do come out, or I love when I have somebody from the opposite side that comes on and realize that we can have a civilized conversation about something other than politics. And you've seen that with many of the guests in previous shows. But I want to share with you my latest project because several people were saying to me, wow, I want to know if you can make me one too. I am making myself a pocketbook because I love the flag. And there's nobody in the Democratic Party that's going to make me not salute this flag and be proud of it. And I do have a deadline in mind that I want it ready, like an inauguration. Because with your help and your support, we're going all the way. Well, that wraps it up. Another episode. Please reach out to me. I want to hear from you. I want to know who you want on the show, what topics you want to discuss. And we're going to have next month another one of our fans on in the Cindy's Corner Fan Club. So thanks for joining. Have a safe, healthy week. And as we say, or as I always say, Mazel, which is luck, Bracha, which is prayer, and Simcha, which is happiness. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.